All right, welcome into the Golf Preview Podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I'm your host, Will Doctor, and nice to have you aboard as I preview the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And I know I was borderline unlistenable with a sinus infection last week, but great to be back with you, cleared up, and ready to roll for the Clam Bake Preview. Let's start with a review of the action at Torrey Pines last weekend. Max Homa won the Farmers after starting Saturday, which was the final round, five shots back of the lead. He made incredible birdies on three, five, six, and nine to tie the lead as he made the turn to the back nine at Torrey. Uh, you know, the 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 key shots to me of Sunday were the approach shot at the par three eleventh and the approach shot at the par three sixteenth uh for Maxoma. You know, eleven, he took dead aim at a tucked right flag pin, which was just incredible. You know, he has a huge par save on 15 after he makes his first bogey of the day on 14. And you know, moment of the day, the par three 16th, uh, he makes an incredibly clutch birdie to tie Sam Ryder at the top with just two to play. You know, Sam Ryder, who, who you know, this guy was just unfamiliar uh, with the territory that he was in on Saturday. Uh, you know, he had at least a share of the lead in each of the first three rounds before the heat got to him. And credit to Ryder. This is a guy who hits his irons and 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 putts plenty well enough to compete on the PGA Tour. But he's a plotter. He's not a bomber. And, and you know, when you have Max Homa, Tony Finau, and John Rahm on your tail, you know, he was ultimately going to have to play flawless uh, to get the job done. And the iron play would eventually let him down as Max Homa just came from behind for, what, the fifth time in six wins that he he came from behind to win. So, you know, that's unbelievable. It was, it was, it was Homa's sixth PGA Tour victory. John Rahm is the only player – uh, who has won more than Max Homa in the last 25 months. You know, Homa loves the state of California, was obviously comfortable around Torrey Pines. Four of his six PGA Tour titles have come uh, in, in the Golden State where he was born and raised. Um, you know, brilliant work from CBS and incredible willingness to engage from Max Homa. Talk about someone that you could listen to all day long. CBS mic'd him up on Friday afternoon uh, and Trevor Immelman, making his debut as the color analyst, did an outstanding job asking Homa all the right questions. You know, Nance and Immelman are a, a fluid duo who will be working together for a long time, maybe maybe longer than Nance and Romo after after Tony's performance this past Sunday. But I don't think Nance will ever have another color analyst uh, as far as the CBS golf team is concerned. Nance has about, what, 14 or 15 more years Trevor is, you know, he's so good, former Masters champion. I was interested to see how their first event would go with Nance doing the broadcast from Arrowhead Stadium where he was getting ready to call the AFC championship. But wow, you couldn't even tell that they weren't in the same booth together. And, you know, back to Homa, credit to him uh, for being open to spending 20 minutes of his round on the broadcast most of these stars, John Rahm, Tiger Woods, Patrick Cantlay, maybe even a Justin Thomas, you wouldn't see them talking to the booth mid-round. Max Homa was a, a perfect player for CBS to experiment the on-course interview with. And, you know, not only did Homa and Trevor have a great conversation, but Homa goes on and wins the event. I mean, I don't think a lot of people are talking about how many more players might be willing to talk to the audience mid-round after seeing Homa participate, keep his focus, and, and then win at one of the most historic venues in the United States. 
I mean, I can't wait to see Jordan Spieth participate. I can't wait to see some insight from Tom Kim's mid mid round mindset. And I, I cannot wait to hear, you know, the, 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 the best guys of the game, like Tony Finau and Colin Morikawa get involved. And I don't want to hear from any of the Twitter talking heads blasting off about how athletes shouldn't be doing interviews in the middle of competition. I totally agree with that when you're talking about the faster paced sports like NBA, NFL, soccer, tennis, but it absolutely adds some pop and sizzle to slower paced sports like baseball and golf. I mean, golf and baseball, both about, you know, an four hour and a half to five hour broadcast. And for the sake of getting the next generation more involved, you know, the athletes are going to have to start entertaining more uh, in order to keep the TikTok generation focused on the broadcast for that long. We saw the MLB start to experience, experiment with that uh, last year. Maybe they did a little bit over COVID as well. I know the European tour, the DP World Tour has been doing on-course interviews for probably the last three years. It's great to see CBS get in the mix with that. I look forward to seeing uh, maybe NBC do some of that as well. Now, as far as the course last week, I, I thought the course conditions uh, at Torrey were absolutely perfect. I love the way that it rained uh, in the in the three pre previous weeks uh, prior to Torrey. It gave the rough a little bit of a U.S. Open feel. Obviously, the fairways were soft, so that didn't mock the Torrey Pines U.S. Open at all. But Max Homa said it himself. If you were not hitting fairways at Torrey last week, you were not winning that golf tournament. Uh, and, and I think that's definitely true to some extent. To get picky, say if the Gala and Sung JM, you know, we're both negative off the tee and finished within four of Homa. But all in all, most of the players who were in the top 20 – had very solid weeks off the tee. Now, uh, we're back on track as far as the picks are concerned. Not total units, but just for last week. You know, we got destroyed at American Express. We're back on track after Tory Week. Will Zalatoris was our winner for the Farmers. He missed the cut. But other than that, we had Max Homa top 20 ticket. Uh, Jason Day finished 7th. Uh, as we had a top 20 ticket at plus 115 on him. So it was refreshing to see Day back in the mix. You know, he's so good for the game, uh, and, and he has racked up multiple top 20 finishes since the beginning of the fall. Our sleeper ticket, Robbie Shelton, top 20, did not hit. But the highlight of the week was watching Thomas Dietrich birdie the 72nd hole to beat Emiliano Grillo by one shot. So if you had bet one unit on replay last week, you were up 1.1 units for Tory Pines week. I'm still down. I, I don't want to get it twisted. Uh, we're not back on track for the year. I'm still down 5.8 units on the season due to that six-unit loss during the MX week. So uh, with the exception of the Palm Springs catastrophe, we were positive units at Century Week, uh, positive units during Sony Open Week, and then we were back in positive units at Tory Pines last week. Still have to make up for a lot of the loss for American Express. So Homa moves to number two on the FedEx Cup standings. Uh, a little bit of European tour news, DP World Tour news. Rory won the D Dubai Desert Classic. Very entertaining week uh, for the DP World Tour. I'll start by saying this. The altercation between Rory and Patrick Reed is so good for the game. Uh, and let me tell you why. It's because, you know, obviously what happened happened on Tuesday with, you know, uh, Patrick Reed trying to go over to Rory on the range and I guess pack patch things up 
with Rory. I don't blame Rory whatsoever for not turning around. If someone issued me a Sapona on Christmas Eve and then two months later try to come up to me and you know shoot the breeze with me on the range, I don't think I would have much to say either. Uh, it seems pretty. You know, it seems uh, it seems as if Patrick Reed is not living in, in the same reality as all of us. I don't know what that what he was looking to get out of Rory. Obviously, Harry Diamond, Rory's caddy, turned around and shook his hand. But you know, with everyone getting with Patrick Reed just suing everyone in their mothers, Golf Channel, Tiger, Rory, I, and I know. I listen. I know the Sapona was not from Patrick Reed. It was from his. It was from his lawyer, Larry Clydman, saying that, you know, Tiger and Rory have to show up to court. You know, the best thing that Rory could have done uh, was simply not say anything. I, I think there was he went about things uh, the right way during T-Gate. Now, what made this so good for the game was that come Sunday, right, it was a Monday finish in, in, uh, in Dubai, come Monday, you know, Patrick Reed and Rory McIlroy going head to head down the stretch of the golf tournament. We saw this, you know, four years ago at at the Ryder Cup when they had an incredible Sunday singles match. Uh, but Rory had to birdie the last two holes to beat Patrick Reed by one, which was, you know, great entertainment considering what had happened early on in the week. Rory said that it took all of his mental capacity to forget about who was at the top of the leaderboard uh, and just focus on his game. And, and he did just that as he sung, sunk a 15-foot a birdie putt on 18 to uh, beat a player in Patrick Reed who's uh, been a pain in Rory's derriere for the last 12 months. I was I was keeping tabs on all the action in Dubai all weekend. I had to stay up all night on, on Thursday and Friday just to watch it. And, you know, Patrick Reed was not the only live player that was chasing Rory. Richard Bland and... Oh, Ian Poulter were in contention for most of the event. Uh, Rory handled it all with total class, considering you know how salty and childish Reed and Poulter have been with the lawsuits. I thought some some other uh, good headlines coming out of DP World Tour last week: Stanford senior Michael Thorby Olson and World Amateur number one Ludwig Aberg both held the lead at some point during the week in Dubai. You know. That's phenomenal. We keep seeing the game get younger. If if you know if we want a younger audience, then younger players are going to have to step up to the plate. I was talking about this with Cole Hammer two weeks ago on my Saturday radio show. The start of PGA Tour University, where there is finally a way for successful college golfers to use their success and 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 that turns into status on one of these bigger tours. Uh, well, that's only going to help develop the game and, and lower that average age, that average viewership age down from 54 to, let's say, let's just get it to 30. How about that? It's nowhere near that yet. But with the emergence of Thorby Olsen, Aberg, uh, Cole Hammer, the Cootie Twins, these are all young players that you have to keep an eye on whose success is very important for the future of this game. Now, let's get to a few notes regarding the Pebble Beach Pro-Am uh, and the three golf courses they'll go around. Listen, the toughest is Spyglass. Uh, Monterey P Peninsula scoring average was around 70 last year. That kind of clocked in as you know the second toughest golf course around these three tracks. And then two rounds, a pre-cut round and the final round, will take place at Pebble Beach off the coast. So all 54 uh, holes feature Poa Greens. And I think the part of this event, 
you're probably already familiar with is that it is a pro-am. And after the cut, the 25 lowest teams will hang around and compete on Sunday at Pebble Beach. Legends like Bill Murray and Clint Eastwood are, are often seen there year after year. Larry Fitzgerald, Gareth Bale, uh, Jake Owen are probably the three best amateur golfers in the field. Uh, so some fun stuff to watch. Some people complain that the rounds take too long. You know, it can be five and a half, six hour rounds. Um, you know, that's that that's pro-ams for you. Uh, that's why, you know, uh, midweek pro-ams, you know, let me let me teach you something. All of these golfers have to play pro-ams at some point during during the week before Thursday, before they tee it up. It used to be that Tuesday and Wednesday pro-ams took five and a half, six hours because um, a player would have to play all 18 holes with a group of amateurs. Now, players only have to play nine holes uh, with the with the group of amateurs. I'm not sure if that's something they want to try out with this event where – you know, the amateurs only play nine holes every day or what they want to do. I don't think all players hate it, but I've certainly heard that this field has lost its strength uh, based on how long the rounds take. Uh, it's kind of sad to think that, you know, they're playing at the th some, I mean, three best golf courses and, you know, arguably the United States. You know, you could definitely argue that with Monterey. Uh, Spyglass and Pebble are right there as, as far as historic venues in the United States. And, you know, this tournament is, is struggling to pull um, an elite field. Now, we're coming off events, Torrey, um, you know, uh, Palm Springs, the Hawaiian Swing. Some guys are, are, are definitely starting to rest before, uh, you know, waste management next week. And then obviously the tour will move on to the Florida Swing. Uh, but I think, you know, it, we got to see this field improve in the coming years. Uh, this is the San Andrews of the United States. And if we were across the pond uh, for the Alfred Dunhill links, you're not going to see the best Europeans take that week off. You're just not. So we'll start with the top four favorites on the odds list. Then we'll move into the matchups and picks to place before I give you a winner in a dark horse. And then I'll send you home uh, with a lineup scoring prediction and best bet. So let's start it off here with, uh, Jordan Spieth coming in at 11 to one on DraftKings, And this will be the first time we've seen Spieth since he threw up on himself uh, in the second round of the Sony open when he went from first round leader to, you know, missing the cut. He shot six under in round one and then five over in round two at Wiley. And it seemed like after Spieth's first round presser in Hawaii that he had, you know, better control of his game and felt better about where he was in his swing compared to 2022. So, I chalked up the round two hiccup as a bit of a fluke considering, you know, Spieth was negative in every strokes gain category during that uh, Friday in Honolulu. I don't see it as a proper reflection of where Spieth is currently at in his game. However, you know, Vegas didn't do us any favors by making him the favorite, even though he's coming off a missed cut. And, you know, the reason is, is because Spieth returns to three golf courses this week where he's had a ton of past success. He's the past champion at the AT&T. He won it back in 2017, and he's racked up multiple top 10 finishes in the years prior and since. So, uh, you know, if you absolutely have to play Spieth this week, the play is Spieth top 10 at, at plus 175 on, on DraftKings. If you're not going to play that, I would stay away from Spieth altogether. I would stay away from Spieth's matchup against Fitzpatrick. I would stay away from Spieth's matchup against Victor Hovland. 
both due to the fact that Fitzpatrick and Hovland's games have been just more dependable than Spieth over uh, you know, the last two months. I'd rather take a chance on Spieth's top 10 ticket uh, based on his past dominance of the program rather than take him um, against another favorite in the matchups. Uh, the value isn't there, and I'm about to tell you why uh, fading Fitzpatrick and Hovland against anyone is a terrible idea this week, starting with Matthew Fitzpatrick, second favorite on the on the board. He's, a, he's the top favorite on some books, uh, but as far as best odds are concerned, he's coming in second on DraftKings at 11 to 1. And this is Fitzpatrick's first start uh, since the century at the beginning of January where he finished seventh. He did not play any of the opening events of the DP World Tour uh, with Rory and Shane Lowry. I can't confirm whether Fitzy intends to uh, maintain European status this year, but I digress. Even without a month of competition, there's no reason to think that you know he'll show any rust because – you know, prior to his month off, he was coming off a storybook 2022 with his win at the U.S. Open, uh, which was and really the whole year. I read a great article on golf.com about this. I didn't know until I read it. The whole year was fueled when he added more weight to the grip of his irons to make uh, them more fade biased a la Jack Nicholas. So, you know, he proved that. You know, a plotter can become somewhat of a bomber with the added distance on his drives. And, you know, there was zero regression after the U.S. Open. He finished the year with four top 10 finishes around the world. And, you know, Fitzpatrick had, he has had a very respectable track record at the Pro-Am uh, over the years. He finished sixth last year. Um, and, you know, when the U.S. Open was held here in 2019, Fitzpatrick finished 12th. And, you know, that comes with no surprise because when you look at what has been the winning formula at Pebble Beach, accurate drives and pristine control from about 100 to 125 yards out has been the recipe. And that is Fitzpatrick's bread and butter. So uh, I will have a play on the world number 10 Englishman for you later on in the show. For now, we move on to uh, Victor Hovland at 12 to 1 over on DraftKings or Bovada. Uh, now, even though Fitzpatrick and Spieth have been on tour a lot longer than Hovland, the Norwegian's course history is really unmatched the rest of the field. He won the U.S. Amateur um, at Pebble Beach back in 2018, and then a year later, he finished 12th at the U.S. Open on the same golf course. So, you know, regardless of the fact, uh, you know, that he finished 38th in his lone start at the Clambake, the Pro-Am this week. Don't get lazy and look past what he did here as an amateur and in one of his first major championship starts as a professional. Once again, I won't be taking Hovland against Spieth or Fitzpatrick. No need to play these first three favorites in matchups against each other. But I would definitely say Victor Hovland is one of the most appealing favorites uh, not only because of his history at Pebble Beach, but also because we watched him win the hero just two starts ago back in December. I know there's still a lot of people who, you know, question Hovland's chipping as, you know, that was an aspect of his game that was haunting him last year. But through two starts of 2023, he's ranked 39th around the greens, which is not a massive sample size, but enough to give us some confidence to take uh, Hovland in some capacity this week. So I'll go ahead and put out there my first pick. Uh, it's a pick to place. It's Victor Hovland, top 10 at plus 160 odds over on William Hill. Let's move on to uh, the last favorite before we get into the matchups. 
Uh, it'll be the, the the fourth favorite is Maverick McNeely, twenty to one on DraftKings or MGM. Now, you know this is the favorite that you should really stay away from this week because a lot of the talking heads on Twitter and you know Google and uh, what else Reddit they'll be on you know McNeely due to the fact that he's from California. And, you know, everyone in their mothers thinks that since he's from California, he's going to be automatic around Pebble Beach. Now, I understand he has a couple top five finishes at this event. He was, you know, runner up to Daniel Berger in 2021. But you cannot, you cannot look past Maverick McNeely's numbers lately and tell me that he's your guy this week. Well below average as far as his driving accuracy is concerned over his, you know, over this year. And, you know, the the Stanford grad is ranked 134th in approach on the year, which was on full display last week as he was a negative in strokes gained approach at Torrey Pines. I'm a pass on Maverick McNeely this week. I gave Dreamers a McNeely top 20 uh, ticket last year. We all know how that turned out. So that's why I'll start uh, the matchups with Tom Hoagie. Over Maverick McNeely at plus 100 on Bet Online, and you know last year's champion and and Tom Hoagie is he's getting totally slept on this week since he hasn't finished better than 32nd uh, since his third place finish at Kapalua to start the year. I tried to tell you this, you know, uh, I think it was maybe it was before Sony week. I think we faded Tom during Sony. We have to go back and check at that. But what you have to understand is that Tom needed a week of rest after the EMX because his travel schedule around the Hawaiian swing was simply insanity. Hoagie first plays the tournament of champions. Then he flies back to LA after Kapalua to watch, you know, TCU get pounced by Georgia. And then he flies back to Honolulu uh, to play the Sony where he finished 41st, really miraculous that he made the cut after that type of travel schedule. Uh, and then due to previous commitments, he had to go play the American Express in Palm Springs just a week after the Sony. And, you know, he didn't miss the cut there either. But you could definitely tell his energy needed a refresher. And that's exactly what he did last week by not playing at Torrey Pines. I look to see a Tom Hoagie this week who typically, you know, doesn't miss fairways and is really the best long iron player on tour and really all in all. Uh, because this year, all in all with the odds, because this year he leads the way in the strokes gained approach category on the PGA Tour. So uh, my first matchup of the week will be Tom Hoagie over Maverick McNeely at plus 100 on Bet Online. Moving along to Russell Knox over Brendan Todd at plus 109 on Bet Online. And what are the two things that Russell Knox does best? He's a great iron player and drives it with supreme accuracy. And although he hasn't had a notable finish this year, besides 21st at the RSM, the Clambake at Pebble is always an event where Russell Knox hangs around come Sunday. He's never won, but since 2018, he has three top 10 finishes around Pebble. And while none of his recent finishes on the PGA Tour this year are anything to brag about, he has been well above average as far as stroke gained approach is concerned over his last four events. And I forecast a top 20 finish from Knox this week. Now, on the other side of this matchup is Brendan Todd, who has just been too sporadic with the iron play lately for me to see him contending at Pebble. He's been, you know, negative in strokes gained approach in five of his last seven starts. 
you know, Todd has not putted well on POA since the tour arrived on the West Coast swing. And to top things off, Brendan Todd loses about uh, a shot and a half just on distance uh, on a week-in, week-out basis. I know you don't have to be a bomber to win around here, but, you know, the combination of a lack of distance plus the fact that, you know, he's been negative in strokes gained approach and uh, his last and five, his last seven starts, I have to, I have to fade Brendan Todd this week. So it's going to be Russell Knox over Brendan Todd at plus one Oh five on bet online. That wraps up the matchups for now. I'll come back to you with one. When we get to our best bets, singular best bet. Uh, we move along now to my picks to place for the week, starting with Victor Hovland top 10 at plus 160 on William Hill already gave you why I liked world number 11 uh, to perform well this week. He, you know, this is, this is someone whose history goes way beyond just a couple pro stars at Pebble beach, you know, played this tournament every year, the Carmel cup um, every year uh, as a collegiate golfer at Oklahoma state and then broke through and won the U S amateur uh, at Pebble back in 2018. So first pick to place, uh, Victor Hovland, top 10 at plus 160 odds on William Hill. If you need more context on that, just rerun the podcast. We move on to Matthew Fitzpatrick to finish as the top Great Britain and Ireland player at plus 160 on DraftKings. And the only players that you have to worry about topping Fitzpatrick with this ticket is Justin Rose and Callum Terran. Rose, as I talked about, has regained form on the greens. And Taron is a rookie out of England who breezed through the Corn Ferry Tour last year and finished second at the end of the fall at the RSM Classic. But other than that, Fitzpatrick's hands won't be too full trying to beat the rest of the GB&I talent between Seamus Power, Russell Knox, uh, Danny Willett, Ben Taylor, Harry Hall, and Luke Donald. I guess you could throw Russell Knox in there. Uh, as players to worry about, I do forecast him having a good week, but the bottom line is Fitzpatrick hasn't finished outside of 13th in any event worldwide since the middle of October. And we, when you look at his past performance of this event, six last year, 12th at the 19 us open, it should bring you all the confidence in the world that there won't be a potential European Ryder cup member that beats Fitzpatrick this week. So my second final pick to place is going to be Matthew Fitzpatrick finishing as the top Great Britain and Ireland player at plus 160 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Moving along to my one winner for the week, it's going to be Victor Hovland at 12 to 1 over on DraftKings Sportsbook or Bet Online. And let's just call it how it is. This is an incredibly top heavy field, and no one has been as dialed in since the Zozo Championship than Victor Hovland. He finished fifth at the Zozo, then he goes. Uh, to Congaree and finishes 21st the CJ Cup. Uh, he goes to, after Congaree, goes to Mayakoba to defend his title and finishes 10th. And then he flies across the pond to play in the DP World Tour season finale where he finishes 23rd before finishing 2022 with the win at Tiger's event, a tournament that he also repeated. So uh, almost repeats at Mayakoba, does repeat the hero. And, you know, I know what a lot of people are going to be saying. Well, hey, Doc, what about the 18th place finish at the century in a smaller field? That's not too great, is it? And, you know, my answer was that, yes, you know, he finished 18th in a small field, but he was positive in all 
statistical denominations at Kapalua, which mean the scoring and the decision-making wasn't there. It wasn't a matter of his game. It wasn't the chipping. It wasn't the ball striking. It was simply the scoring. It was simply the decision-making. And you have to trust that based on the numbers, uh, Victor Hovland might be in one of the best places with his game that he has been since he came on tour. I think there was, you know, I think there still is a lot of noise going around that Victor Hovland hasn't won an established elite PGA Tour event yet. One in Puerto Rico once and twice in Mayakoba. Those are his, you know, three PGA Tour wins. And I would definitely argue, and I don't think anyone would argue with me about it. You know, those are not elite events. And what better place for Victor to finally do so than Pebble Beach, a place where he brought home, you know, one of the most prestigious amateur titles in the U.S. amateur uh, just within what, you know, within six years ago. So uh, my pick to win for this week is going to be Victor Hovland at 12 to 1 at DraftKings or Bet Online. We move along to my dark horse for the week is going to be someone who played on the same college golf team as Victor Hovland at Oklahoma State. Uh, it's going to be Sam Stevens to top 20 at plus 500 on William Hill. You know, Victor Hovland is not the only person in the field who was successful at Pebble Beach during his college days. Take a look at Sam Stevens and his college record at Pebble. Remember, all the best college golf teams in the nation go to Pebble Beach every September for the Carmel Cup. And wow, this cat, Sam Stevens, could shoot 65 at Pebble in his sleep. He finished fourth there in 2015 at the Carmel Cup. He finished fifth at the 2016 edition. And, you know, then I guess he didn't play the event in 2017. I'm going to guess because their coach is a, is a total idiot and clown, but I digress. You know, Sam Stevens has a brilliant track record at Pebble. And to top things off, Stevens had his best PGA Tour finish last week at Torrey, where he finished 13th. It was a huge week for him. He hadn't finished better than 57th in eight PGA Tour starts this year after graduating from the Corn Ferry Tour. He finally got that short game dialed in around Torrey. And, you know, it was the second event this season where he was positive in stroke gain with the putter. So he needs to continue that this week, uh, you know, on a positive some, uh, part of his game that he's been absolutely rolling with. Uh, where is that he's now played five events in a row where he's hit every fairway that he's looked at positive across the board with the driver. That's going to be key to setting up the rest of his game around pebble this week. So the, the this by far uh, is the best sleeper option uh, on the board this week. It's going to be Sam Stevens top 20 at plus 500 on William Hill. All right, guys, a quick break from the golf to tell you about the Race to March contest. It's a free chance to win $300 cash, uh, college basketball sides and totals. The most net units through Selection Sunday wins. It's winner take all, $300 cash. So don't miss your chance at that. Go to pregame.com, click on contest to find Race to March contest. Winner take all 300. It's free and the action is rolling. So much college basketball hoops. Uh, coming up with the March Madness just around the corner. Go to pregame.com. Go buy Griffin and AJ's College Hoops picks. I promise you will not be disappointed. It is locks every single day with Griffin and AJ. They're ready to roll uh, for, for all the games. And if you go use my code, buzzer20, 
uh, you'll get 20% off all picks uh, over on pregame.com. So go use that code buzzer20 and go dial in to Griffin and AJ's picks. Okay, back to the golf. Okay, let's move along to the lineup for this week. We'll start with Justin Rose, uh, who's had a ton of success on these three golf courses through his career. Number two is going to be Andrew Putnam, who's a name being floated around a lot this week, finished fourth at Sony, and then sixth at last year's Clambake. So he's number two, Andrew Putnam. Number three is going to be PGA Tour rookie Ben Griffin, who finished third in Bermuda earlier this season. And just something to keep an eye on, Griffin has been positive in strokes gained off the tee and approach in each of his last five events dating back to the Houston Open, where I first watched him live. If he can have a better week on the greens than he did at Torrey, where he finished 31st, uh, Ben Griffin is going to have a, a fantastic week at Pebble. Just something to look at here. Uh, his winning number is, let's see here. Sorry, I didn't write it down. His winning number, yeah, you can find him at 65 to 1 on Bet Online. If there's a guy uh, who could come out of absolutely nowhere, whose numbers kind of speak to that, it's definitely Ben Griffin at, at, at 65 to 1 if you're looking for a real long shot. So, uh, let me just get back to this lineup. We have Justin Rose, Andrew Putnam, Ben Griffin. Number four is going to be Kevin Streelman, who you know plays along Larry, alongside Larry Fitzgerald, uh, the Hall of Fame wide receiver. He plays uh, with Fitzgerald, you know, every year dating back to you know probably 2015. Now Streelman has had a, a tough go so far this year, uh, but we're going to put him in play as he finished second at Pebble in 2020, and you know. Despite the fact that he's not playing worth a shit, I think he could get some good mojo going this week playing alongside the great Fitzgerald. So, uh, so far we have Justin Rose, Andrew Putnam, Ben Griffin, and Kevin Streelman. Number five is going to be Russell Knox, who I have in a matchup. And then finally, uh, to round it off in our caboose, it's going to be Nate Lashley, one of my favorites out there. He finished fifth here back in 2021, a long straight driver with the golf ball. Uh, reminds me of of a Sebastian Munoz, who unfortunately just split to the Live Golf Tour with the rest of the clowns. Uh, but I digress. Nate Lashley will round out the lineup for this week. It's going to be Justin Rose, Andrew Putnam, PGA Tour rookie Ben Griffin, Kevin Streelman, Russell Knox, and Nate Lashley to round out the lineup. Now on to our scoring prediction. You know the temperature in Carmel, California. Uh, will not get above 60 degrees this week with winds, you know, howling off the coast. My scoring prediction this week will be 16 under, which is a tad lower than what we've seen over the last several years for Hoagie and Burgers wins. You know, I'm curious how soft these three golf courses are right now with all the rain. You know, if, you know, rain is not in the forecast, uh, so, you know, if it firms out and it, and it doesn't get above 60 degrees, you're going to be looking at some pretty tough scoring conditions, um, out there at Pebble, Monterey and Spyglass. So, uh, my scoring prediction for this week is going to be 16 under par and let's wrap it up here with my best bet, which is going to be Justin Rose over Keith Mitchell at minus 110 on bet online. And, you know, Justin Rose came into 2023, leaving behind a year where he struggled to find any consistency. But after a ninth place finish in Houston and 18th place finish last week at Torrey, Rose is showing that he's back 
uh, in the putting form that we haven't seen in quite a while. He currently ranks 25th on the PGA Tour in putting. And he returns to a venue where he has not only performed well at the Clambake over the years, but he also finished third in the U.S. Open here in 2019, where he had just an, an exceptional opportunity to win his second United States championship before eventually falling off in the final round. I believe Rose is an excellent option against Keith Mitchell, who you know currently ranks 117th in approach and 130th in putting so far on the PGA Tour this year. Mitchell, without a doubt, one of my favorite players on tour, always well-spoken about some of the stronger topics of the game. But, you know, on top of his, you know, his struggle with the approach and the putting, he's also missed the cut in three of his last six starts at the at the Clambake. So my best bet for this week is going to be Justin Rose over Keith Mitchell at minus 110 on Bet Online. And that's going to do it for the Pebble Beach edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. We'll talk next week for one of the greatest events of the year in the Wasted Management Phoenix Open. Once again, I'm Will Doc. You can find me at drmedia59 on Twitter, and we'll talk next week.